Let us pray. O Lord, we turn our eyes to you and to your word. Father, we pray that you would shine the light of your Holy Spirit upon our souls and our minds, that we would receive what you have for us today. Lord, we pray that you would comfort us and be near to us, and that we would know you. Father, please hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Listen now as God speaks to us. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Place. 
those with clean hands and pure heart who desire not worthless things. Let the Lord shall receive blessings from the Lord and reward from the God who saves them. These are the ones who seek, seek the face of the God of Jacob. Let the Lord Today's gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. It is a privilege to preach each and every Sunday to a community of faith that I have grown to love. Even though half of you have moved your seats this Sunday and you're totally throwing me off, it is a blessing and a privilege to preach with to speak to you each week. As someone who's passionate about the gospel, it's an honor to be listened to without interruption for about a quarter of an hour once a week as I seek to faithfully and creatively apply God's word to the life we are called to live. I know not every word I have preached from this pulpit over the past 20 months was well received, and that's okay. I trust that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you heard what you needed to hear to move forward in your life of faith. Because that, in my estimation, is the key to following Jesus, moving forward in faith. A colleague told me 21 years ago when I first met him in our first meeting, my boss at the time, he told me, there is no neutral, Derek, in our walk with Jesus. We are either moving forward in our spiritual journey or we are sliding back. 
there is no standing still. Faith is not a static thing. To live, it must move and stretch and adapt and change. For faith to be vibrant and transformative and relevant, it needs to be looking forward always to what with God could be. Today's passage from the Gospel of Luke, which is not an easy one, I believe drives this point home. In the passage, we are given a glimpse of some followers who misunderstand the urgency and the direction that accompanied Jesus' call to follow him. The first group expresses a willingness to follow Jesus wherever he might go. There is no destination to which they are unwilling, unable to follow him. And this seems to me to be a faithful affirmation, but not to Jesus. Foxes have holes, he says, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To those who want to follow Jesus to a precise location, to an end point, he reminds them that following him is more about the journey than it is the destination. To follow him means always being on the move. A second group expresses a desire to follow Jesus, but they first make a very simple and honorable request. They want to bury their dead. Jesus is not impressed. Let the dead bury their own dead, he declares. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Those who have died have each other, he seems to say, because they have run their race and crossed the finish line. But for those of us who are still alive, our life of faith is lived here, not in the ever after. A third group simply ask for the chance to say goodbye to their family and their friends before beginning their journey with him. To that, he says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Ouch. Once we sign up for discipleship, it seems, our life direction is set. We are to look forward and not back. There is no neutral in a life of faith. You are either moving forward or sliding back. I think all the saints who have come before us, I think they would affirm this truth if they could speak to us today. I can't imagine that after seeing Jesus face to face, after feasting at his heavenly table, after celebrating true communion with God, I can't imagine a saint, a person of faith, who has entered the promise of life everlasting. I can't imagine them coming back and telling us to stand still or look back or focus on what was. Now, once a person sees clearly with the veil gone all that is possible with God, I am certain they would come back and beg those of us who are still alive, who are still living on this side of glory, they would beg us to focus all our sight, all our attention, our heart, our mind, our soul on the unfolding kingdom of God that is here and just around the bend. To follow Jesus is to journey with him into the future. The challenge, of course, is that no one likes that journey. It is difficult and scary to journey into the unknown, even when Jesus is by your side. It is so much easier, so much more comforting, really, to have Jesus affirm what was than to follow him to what could be. So how do we 
how do we do it? How do we overcome this fear, this anxiety about the future? How do we lean forward into faith and keep our eyes focused on Jesus and the path he leads? How do we focus on where he is taking us and not where we've been or where we want to go? I think we get a clue in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that's found in the Gospel of Matthew that opened with the passage you heard Rusty read today. If you read nothing else in the entire Bible, this is an aside, but it's something I always say, if you read nothing else in the entire Bible ever again, read the Sermon on the Mount over and over and over again. It's the heartbeat of our life of faith, the heartbeat of what Jesus calls us to do and be. His great sermon lays out a life defined by sacrifice and generosity and kindness and mercy and peace. You know some of the teachings. Turn the other cheek, that's a fun one. Give until you can't give anymore, no one likes that. Forgive everyone. Love everyone. The Sermon on the Mount is a laundry list of nearly impossible commandments that if you seek to apply to your daily life, which I've witnessed you all try to do, when you seek to apply the teachings of Jesus as found in the Sermon on the Mount in your daily life, you will encounter struggle, confusion, resistance, sadness, and sometimes even a little pain, which takes us right to the Beatitudes, the blessings that define a life of faith. I absolutely love the Beatitudes because before Jesus lays out what a life of faith looks like, he reminds us that we are blessed. We are blessed by God whenever we are poor in spirit or mourning or feeling weak or hungry or thirsty or merciful or pure in heart, whenever we're working for peace or are persecuted for our beliefs, we're blessed. I love the Beatitudes so much because they turn life upside down. The things the world says are a curse, Jesus says are a blessing. Tears, struggle, uncertainty, weakness, mercy, purity, peacefulness, and persecution for beliefs. These things are guaranteed to happen to you when you apply the teachings of Jesus to the life you are called to live. Looking back is easy, hindsight's always 20-20, and the past really demands nothing of us. But to look forward with hope, to journey forward with hope, to find and seek and look for new ways to minister, to serve, to love, to heal, to proclaim the good news. This is never easy and demands a lot. Seeking to follow Jesus into the unknown raises all kinds of unwanted emotions and experiences, which is why Jesus reminds us that when we feel all those things, all those things we really don't want to feel, as we follow him, we're blessed. In the challenges that come when we follow Jesus, we find blessing. I'm not a rock climber, too skinny, too tall, terrified of heights, don't like ropes, bad combination. Everything I know about rock climbing, I learned from two movies, two documentaries, really. Both, if you haven't seen them, you have to watch them. Free Solo, which is absolutely terrifying, 
and the Dawn Wall. Now, in Free Solo, well, when both movies are about rock climbing a place called El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. El Capitan is basically 3,000 feet of sheer granite from the base to the summit. It's a wall of rock. Free Solo tells the story of a climber, Alex Honold, who free climbed, without a rope, free climbed El Capitan. No supports, whole thing on his own. All he had was chalk for his hands. No harness, no ropes, no water, nothing. The guy's crazy. Completely self-sufficient and completely alone. The Don Wall, on the other hand, is also about a different climber, Tommy Caldwell, Caldwell, who sets out to free climb the route of El Capitan, known as the Don Wall, but the difference is he doesn't do it alone. He has a partner, Kevin Jorgensen. Caldwell and Jorgensen trained together for years and years, planning and strategizing and training and practicing for this climb that will take them days to accomplish. They have to go to sleep on the wall. At one point in the film, Caldwell and Jorgensen get ready to tackle the most difficult section of a climb, a jump and a leap and a catch that's super challenging. Caldwell masterfully completes it on the first try, but Jorgensen slips, so he tries again. This is what climbers do. They keep trying and trying until they get it. But again and again, he falls and has to start over. This goes, goes on for hours, and then the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. With each passing day, Caldwell is pressed toward a decision. Does he wait for Jorgensen to get past this difficult spot, or does he move on ahead and finish the climb, for which he has been preparing for seven years? After agonizing over it, he finally decides he's got to move on and leave Jorgensen behind. But as Caldwell starts the next phase of his ascent, something inside of him stops him. It's a feeling. At that moment, he felt utterly alone. And he realizes after all these years of planning and preparing and training with Jorgensen, that it no longer was about getting to the top. It had become about making the climb together. So Galdwell climbed back down the wall face, found Jorgensen and said, I don't want to do this without you. I want you to be with me. I don't care how long it takes. I'll wait for you. The journey Jesus demands of us is not easy, but it is a journey we do not make alone. Whenever we stumble or backtrack or give up or complain or cry out in frustration or in confusion, Jesus is steadfast, waiting patiently for us to find our footing and try again. There is, after all, no place for Jesus to lay his head He's not trying to get somewhere. He's trying to be somewhere, to be with the people he loves. 
For him and for us, a life of faith is about the journey, not the destination. Our salvation, that's been secured. What's still in process is our transformation. God honors the past. God honors what has come before, and we should too. But Jesus is clear in today's passage. Don't spend too much time back there because there's important work to do just around the bend. And that work is sharing the liberating truth that the kingdom of God is here. The people of this time and this place, in this city and this neighborhood, they need to know what we affirm and proclaim each and every Sunday. They need to know that we are not alone, that God loves us, and that God is with us in all things. And most importantly, that future, that crazy place we don't know how to get to, it's in God's more than capable hands too. So I encourage you to step into the future with boldness. Remember that every struggle you will encounter along the way will come with a blessing. No matter where you go or how long the journey takes you, the one who called you will be with you every single step of the way. You are not alone. Truth is, you never have been. So I'll do what I have a hard time doing. That's speaking personally from the pulpit, but thank you for all the support you have shown me these past 20 months. It's been quite a ride. Pandemic, racial unrest, governance changes, painting of hallways, meeting new people. I have enjoyed my time with you. And I thank God for all I have experienced with you and most importantly learned from you. You will be in my prayers for a long time and I'm really excited to see where God takes you next. Blessings on your journey. Remember, you're never alone. Amen.